Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. A warm welcome to you, Dr. Iqbal Karabani. How are you doing this evening? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Excellent. Thank you for joining us. Now, you're a pediatrician and the CEO of Ped IQ Babyline. Talk to me. What is Ped IQ Babyline and what do you do there? Okay. Well, no, thanks for the introduction. So, as a child specialist, what I found is that, uh, you know, parents universally have this issue of not knowing exactly when to seek health care and, and what level of health care to seek. Especially for new parents, you know, young parents maybe don't have support networks around them, extended family, etc. What happens when you have a small baby and, you know, 10 o'clock at night like this <laughs> and the baby's crying, you're not sure what to do. Should you shoot straight through the ER, try and go to the casualty, try and find a doctor? You know, it's difficult to make the right decision because it's quite an emotional one. And as a result of that, often because of the emotions and the understandable concerns that parents have, um, there's a lot of costs that go in and, and, you know, expenses that parents incur. And what we try to do with PDIQ is to offer parents a 24-7 pediatric advice line. So we don't do any prescription or diagnosis online or, or on the phone. But we have a 24-hour call center, which is staffed by pediatric and nursing staff who are very, very qualified to give parents advice on dealing with common sort of childhood problems. And that's where the idea came from. Well, it's good to know that uh, the 4IR and technology that's at our disposal is um, used to help us as well when it comes to medical issues. And one mm-hmm. of those issues, especially for parents who have churn born with Down syndrome, is, is the mm-hmm. fact that they don't really know or have the support or know where to get the support to, to deal with the day-to-day lives of their children. So yes. what, what can parents expect in the first few months after their baby is born? So I think there's two aspects to that. The first one is, I'm glad you brought the, the, the issue of support because parents who have a child, and not and this applies not only to Down syndrome, but to any child with special needs, parents require an incredible amount of supportive services to try and optimize the health of the child. And these supportive services should take place in like different layers. So first I would use the example of the immediate family and and supporting structures of the friends and close family around the parents. They need to be the medical staff professionals, and often it's a team of professionals. So it'll be the occupational therapist, the speech therapist, the dietitian, physiotherapist. So there's quite a few allied health disciplines that all play a very important part in optimizing the health. And then not to be underestimated is using social media to link into social support groups because some of these disorders are not very common. I know we're mentioning Down syndrome as an example, but it's a birth defect, which is the common one of the commonest. But there are other very rare defects where parents may feel completely isolated and out of their depth. And I would suggest they use social media to reach out to other parents who have a similar experience so that they can help support each other and sort of help guide each other through these extremely, you know, difficult times. So it's very important to have the the correct support. And then as far as like managing it in the first few months, every child is different. I mean, you get different grades of severity. So I think what's important is to start off with a proper assessment of the child. Medically, a Down syndrome babies always require additional, for example, cardiology assessment so that any child with Down syndrome must have a cardiac assessment to make sure that the heart is normal 
And then each problem that's identified needs to be addressed. So there are, you know, feeding issues that need to be sorted out. And then there's a developmental issues as well, because we expect children with Down syndrome and other birth defects or chromosomal abnormalities to not develop according to the sort of average child uh, stage of development. So there may be what we call delayed development and parents need to understand what that actually means. A-teamers, we are currently uh, talking about um, a very important issue and uh, not only for the parents and families that have children who are born with Down syndrome, but for all of us as a society to have a better understanding on it. We are obviously uh, going to uh, give you the opportunity as an A-teamer to call in and tell us if you've got a family member or a child who's got Down syndrome and what sort of care and support would you like to receive or have you been receiving? Remember, you can call in on 011-714-2006 or WhatsApp 0614-104-107. And furthermore, do you feel that society is understanding and accepting in 2021 of people with Down syndrome? So I'd like to hear from you. Our guest is Dr. Iqbal Karbani, who's a pediatrician and a CEO of PEDIQ Babyline. Now, uh, Dr. Karbani, you mentioned that when a child is born with Down syndrome, there are um, there's a team of medical professionals that are needed from the cardiologist to um, the dietitian and the likes. Yes. Does the public health care system provide sufficient uh, support for children in terms of the health care uh, workers who are required for this child support? Um, actually, I would say that in most centers, they actually do provide very comprehensive services. Because remember that, you know, children with special needs like this are, are complicated cases. They're not very, they're not simple at all. So often you find that, you know, with very like rare genetic cases, uh, doctors that are in private and specialists actually refer those cases to a tertiary hospital because you may find only a handful of, you know, something like Edwards syndrome or, you know, some sort of really strange syndrome that most people even haven't even heard of. So even Down syndrome, there are clinics at most specialist uh, tertiary hospitals that can handle the cardiac complications and all the other issues that come with it. So I think that you know, uh, from a tertiary level point of view, teaching hospitals, there is that care. I think where we run into problems comes into more uh, in the rural areas or peri-urban areas where you may not have easy access to those kind of hospitals, whether it's Baraguanath or Joburg Gen or Kuriskia, Tigerberg, etc. So if you're far away from those hospitals, I think they, the geographic barriers to accessing healthcare become more and more of a problem. But overall, I would say that the public health service, when it comes to very specialized care, you know, the genetic clinics are actually excellent. So we need to advocate for more, um, you know, support for the rural and outlying areas when it comes yeah. to... Um, no, no, I mean, I, yeah? I, I agree with you. There, there is a necessary support. But you see, it then becomes an economic thing because, you know... you. you it doesn't make sense to, let's say, run a genetic clinic in somewhere in like rural KwaZulu-Natal with only a handful of patients. So these patients tend to cluster around uh, teaching hospitals and parents often uh, travel in from quite far distances to access that healthcare. But once they've accessed it, I would look at it this way. I would say that the access to super specialist care is more to provide a roadmap for the parents to use and then to go back into their normal environment to access the supportive services. 
So I think it's not more, it's more to do with providing, let's say, physiotherapy, occupational therapy in primary and secondary care centers. And I think there your, your point about accessing and improving healthcare services becomes relevant. So it's more in the supportive, because if you look at it, there's no cure for Down syndrome. So, you know, a child is born with Down syndrome and that's it, but there are ways of optimizing the healthcare. And that's through using these allied health services, and that's what we need to do. Now, the impact on family dynamics when a child is born with a Down syndrome, what is it? Yeah, no, it, it, it's a major impact. I mean, if you think about it, you know, the, the first impact is the fact that the parents have a certain expectation when they're having a baby. And then when the baby is born and it's not normal, that is a huge amount of a challenge for parents and the stress that, that brings. And it obviously impacts directly on the dynamic between the couple itself. So there's that load to bear as well as their own personal issues about maybe grief or guilt, etc., about what they could have done differently. So that needs quite a lot of you know, careful attention. And then it's the effect of having a child who's, who is differently abled or who requires increased levels of care and the impact that that has on the household. Maybe one parent now has to stop working to look after the child so that reduces the financial income in the family. They may be, um, they have to relocate. They may have to change certain structures in the house, put ramps up, etc. You know, wheelchairs, make bathrooms accessible to disabled children. So there's a lot of challenges that happen. And then it's the dynamic between that child and the other children who may not be, you know, uh, affected and may be otherwise normal. And all the care being given onto the disabled child and, and those children then have to deal with their own uh, interpersonal dynamics between the sibling and the parents. So this is a very complicated situation. It needs to be unpacked very carefully. And I think parents need to acknowledge that they need a lot of support to, to face this challenge. Yeah, a lot of support indeed. I can only imagine. A-teamers, please do call in and relate uh, your stories of having a family member or a child who's got Down syndrome from birth and some of the plights or challenges that you have uh, experienced and maybe the things that you would like um, to see changing in our healthcare system, whether public or private. Let me remind you, you can WhatsApp on 0614-104-107 or you can call in on 011-714-2006. We are talking to Dr. Iqbal Karabani, who's a pediatrician and the CEO of Pete IQ Baby Line. Doctor, what are the common risks, and I'm, I'm talking here health risks, uh, do, that babies or children with Down syndrome face, and how can we best prepare to deal with such risks? Mm, okay, so with, with Down syndrome, there's a very high incidence of cardiac disease. So in other words, a child with Down syndrome has a very high increased risk of having heart problems. And those heart problems range in severity from mild or we call VSDs or defects in the heart wall um, and muscle to more complicated defects affecting quite different areas of the heart. So that's that's one of the sort of major effects that need to be um, looked for immediately. Down syndrome babies also have what we call a low muscle tone. Now, low muscle tone is something that, you know, that that's, the term is thrown around quite a lot. Like you see kids going to nursery school and primary school all being told they have low muscle tone. I'm a bit skeptical about that. I think it's it's way overdiagnosed. 
And unfortunately, I think it's it's being used to justify a lot of unnecessary care. But saying that, however, looking at Down syndrome, that's definitely a case of what we call low muscle tone. So children with Down syndrome tend to have, you know, they, they're unable to sit. So their milestones and muscular development is definitely delayed. So they would sit a lot later. They would walk a lot later than other children. And then they have feeding difficulties. They may have thyroid problems. They have increased incidence of white cell abnormalities. So, and then there's obviously the physical defects as well. And then it's the um, you know problems with uh, mental retardation and uh, sort of you know a lower level of IQ um, that children with Down syndrome have. Just saying that, however, children with Down syndrome tend to have a very pleasant disposition, though. So they may have a reduced IQ, but they tend to be very placid, docile children that often loved greatly by their families. It's just that, you know, they have, you know, difficulty, you know, having um, interaction with others socially and developing normal social skills. Let me go to an A-teamer who's holding on the line. Jay, good evening. How are you? Uh, Good evening to to you and our guest. uh, A wonderful and very informative uh, program. Uh, can I address this to the doctor? Good evening, doctor. Yes, hi, yes, yes. evening. Uh, well, thank you. Yes, uh, babies are the most precious gift uh, uh, in life, and that is one stage you only see uh, uh, in a human being that you can never see later on. So it is a very precious and beautiful stage. Uh, what are, my question is, uh, while... Um, the baby, while the mother is pregnant, is it not possible to detect these kind of defects? Why I'm asking this is, if uh, this kind of uh, knowledge or information is given to the parent to be, then they'll be able to prepare themselves uh, for this uh, future coming life or baby. They can go and get, uh, um, you know, information study and prepare the various sector in uh, and you know as you said accommodation and the work related thing caregiver and so forth so uh, i think science have uh, really really advanced in 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 lots of aspects but yet i have to hear uh, you know if it's possible to pick it up while the uh, mother is pregnant you know early yes. enough yeah. Thank you very much, Thanks for, that. Thanks for yeah. raising that that point. I mean, I think essentially what you're asking is, is two things. The one is how effective is prevention? And then secondly, early diagnosis. And I think those are critical elements with any genetic disease. So if we just veer off the subject slightly, I mean, parents that want to have a baby need to optimize the mom's health as much as possible. We know things like alcohol and drugs can cause major problems in the unborn baby and the developing fetus. So if a mother wants to have a baby or she's a childbearing age, she should try and avoid all kinds of toxins that can can definitely cause side effects on the baby. So prevention is by far the best way of handling these kind of issues. But when it comes to Down syndrome, there is early diagnosis that's possible through something called amniocentesis and various other sort of diagnostic techniques where you can actually pick up the risk of a baby having Downs. But therein comes a whole moral debate, which is if you do pick up that the baby has Down syndrome, what then? Because does the parent then abort the baby or does the baby then be allowed to go to full term and then you know parents have to now live with this disabled child? So... 
that's something that I do not feel comfortable to, to give an opinion on because I think it's something that's extremely personal and based on religious, cultural, legal points of view. So I think it's really important that it's an individual decision that's taken. But just remember that you can diagnose Down syndrome early on in pregnancy. The question is, once you've made that diagnosis, what next? Very important uh, question to ask yourself and ponder upon it. And obviously, like you say, it relies solely on your moral campus as as a bearing mother or the father of the child. Let me go to Anel, who's holding on the line. Good evening, Atima Anel. Uh, good evening, oh, Patricia. Anel. Good evening to your guest. Yes, it's Anel. Okay, how are you, Anel? I'm well, thanks. And how are you, Miss Ndoli? Good, thank you. Good, good. And good evening to your guest and uh, to SAFM listeners. Hi. Uh, I just have one question because I, I heard your guest, uh, Patricia, that uh, he has covered um, the recent question that was posed by the previous caller. But one question that I have is, uh, how significant is the age of a mother who who is bearing the pregnancy that the that the, the child can possibly be diagnosed with Down syndrome upon birth? So, what is the maximum age a woman can actually get a child at? So, does it have a, a child a, a age restriction, or it doesn't? Thank you very much, Anela. Important question there because we are seeing that a lot of um, career-focused uh, women are, are are delaying to have their yes. children, and we've yeah. seen even some international celebrities giving birth at the age of fifty, and it, yeah. it's been successful. So, w- w- is there an age impact on how old the mother is that uh, might impact on on the child having Down syndrome? Yes. So, so th- there is no doubt that in what you call increased maternal age is a risk factor associated with Down syndrome. Of that, there is no doubt. But again, it becomes a bit more of a of a thing of a, a judgment call. In that, increasing age doesn't mean that you definitely will have a baby with Down syndrome. What it means is that the risk of having a baby then increases. So the risk goes up proportionately with the age. So a mom can have a Down syndrome baby at any age. So let's get first that clear. You could have a, a teenage mom, for example, that could have a, te- a Down's baby. But the risk of having a Down's baby increases as the mother gets older, specifically after the age of 35 and 40, your risk goes up quite significantly. So then the question comes in is that, those mums who are identified as higher risk because of increased age should definitely have screening, but screening alone is not enough. They need to have screening with decision-making on what to do if the result comes back positive. Let me go to Rachel, who's holding on the line. Atima, Rachel, good evening. Hi. Hello. Hi, Hi Rachel. Hi. Hi. Yes, can you hear me? We, loud and clearly, Rachel. You can go ahead. Okay. Uh, I was just going to share something. Um, I just, I was 39, and then I had, I felt pregnant, and then um, the gynae wanted to do a, an amnio, like your doctor said, your guest, and um, he said the reason for this was, as your doctor explained, and as we said, okay, we'll get back to him about that, my husband and I, mm-hmm. you know, we'll discuss it. And yeah. we played, we prayed about it, and we said no, we're not going to do the test. We're going to have this baby with a however, and we prayed and we trusted God for a normal child, a yes. healthy baby, and that's what we had. Mm-hmm. And I turned forty in April, 
mm-hmm. and she was born in March and absolutely perfectly normal, normal birth, yes. nothing wrong. Excellent, yeah. Congratulations, that's, I mean, that's Rachel. Great, Congratulations on your new baby. And, um, yeah. No, but that was like 16 years ago. She's 16. Oh. She was 16 years ago. You, you made it sound like it was like, you know. No. I thought it happened last month Me, from the way you say it. Yeah, it sounded yeah, like, no. you know. No, no, no. She, she, at, I was 39 at the time when I, when, when I conceived. But, um, yeah, it was not planned, baby, obviously, at that age. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, yeah, no, obviously so, 10 years after her brother, it was a big gap. So we didn't plan yeah. on having a baby. But yes. anyway, so she was I, I think, uh, th- th- Thanks very much for sharing your experience with us. And I think this raises something else, which I would just like to digress a little bit, because I think it's so critically important. And that is this mom phoned in and shared experience with us. And, we, you know, we thank her for that. But remember that what she's done is given us an example, which is called an anecdote. So an anecdote is an example of something that has happened. Now, when we're trying to advise people on a population level, on, and this applies to almost everything that you can you know, look at, whether it's vaccines for COVID or whether it's exercise or heart attacks, etc., one always has to understand that an anecdote is simply an example that applied to one person but does not extrapolate to the whole population. So if there's a thousand moms listening to this program who are all 39 and have heard this example and may be expecting, they should not suddenly believe that because our caller had a normal baby that they would also have a normal baby. The only way of assessing that risk is to do a statistical analysis of looking at that full thousand, seeing how many of them had a Down's baby and comparing that to 29-year-old moms and looking at the difference in the risk. And that is then statistically analyzed and presented. So I think this is something that, you know, feeds into the alternative media space, alternative uh, uh, fact space, etc. when people give repeated examples of what we call anecdotes, and that is used to justify a certain point of view. Whereas we should just always be cautious, and I, you know, I'm the first one to take this as my own advice, be cautious and always look at what is the scientific evidence that supports this or not. We are talking to Dr. Iqbal Karbani, who's a pediatrician and CEO of PEDIQ Baby Line, looking at uh, World Down Syndrome Day and what to expect um, par- when you're parenting a child with Down Syndrome. World um, Down Syndrome Day is observed on uh, the 21st of March. This is SFM Late Night Conversations 2211. Let's take a bit of a break and we'll be back, A-teamers. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday. 10 p.m. till midnight. A-teamers, uh, we are talking to Dr. Iqbal Karbani, who is a pediatrician and CEO of, at PED IQ Baby Line. And uh, we are discussing what to expect when you are parenting a child with Down syndrome. World Down Syndrome Day is uh, observed on uh, the 21st of March worldwide. On the line, I've got Anonymous. Anonymous, good evening. Good evening to you, and hi, Patricia, and good evening to your guests. I just want to inquire something first. Uh, I've got two points to make, uh, two questions. But the first question is, if a person uh, who's uh, older, if a female is older and the male is younger, uh, uh, it is read that people get normal birth. The female will get a normal birth if the male is younger. Uh, and mm. if, the, if it's vice versa, if the female is older, 
uh, not that same thing, but it's advised to say the male is old and the female is younger, so uh, the birth will be normal. I'd just like to verify that with the doctor. And also another thing is a few friends of mine and a cousin has uh, Down syndrome children. And they really have a struggle in life. My one cousin had to put her child into her home, but she later passed on. And another cousin of mine had a Down syndrome who she's raised from birth. And uh, she, when she wants something, she wants something. This mother has to drop dead and attend to the child. You know, there's uh, so many uh, things to a Down syndrome child. And it's very much like I won't understand a Down syndrome child. Believe me, you. Thank you, Anonymous, yes, for calling so in. Much. Let me Bye. go to Ndombi, who's also holding on the line. Hey, Tim Ndombi, good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you very much. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I have my older sister. She had a Down syndrome child, but the child was was like not disabled, you know, but you could see by the eyes, you know, the slanted eyes, the long tongue. And then she, he grew up and he had a, a wife. Now the child, their child, has a hydrocephalus with the signs of Down syndrome and they're still young. So I don't know if it's hereditary also. If the yeah. doctor may tell me if there's anything like that. Thank you very yes. much, Ndombi. Uh, Dr. Yes. Karbani, maybe let's start yes. off with uh, Anonymous's question around yes. the man sure. and the woman's sure. age. Well, the maternal age. Mm. So the risk factor there is the advancing maternal age. It's not really um, you know, significant, I would say, to consider the paternal age. So the advancing maternal age, the mother's age, is the main factor there. Um, as far as having an older man and a younger female, as far as I know, there isn't any you know, re- increased risk there of any other genetic disorders. So I think just the main factor there is increasing maternal age. And okay. then, you know, she also alluded to her, her, her sister, I think, whose child has got Downs and how difficult it is. And I think that just highlights the challenge. And I mean, our, our second caller also basically saying that you know, the, it's extremely challenging to have a child with Down syndrome. Um, I must say, I'm, I'm quite surprised to hear that there is something called a mosaic Downs. In other words, there, there's Down syndrome, which is not as severe as maybe, you know, a, a child with Down syndrome. So it's more like a milder form. It, it's quite rare, but it's perhaps that's the type of uh, Down syndrome that the boy had who grown up and has now had a child. But the problem is there's a very big moral and ethical debate about whether someone with Down syndrome should actually have children because we know they have a genetic abnormality. In other words, their cells are all affected. So if they are going to have a child, that child is also definitely going to be affected because the parent has got uh, abnormal genetics. So I think for them to have had a child, uh, and then maybe not having the ability to understand and cope with the, a, a child who's got a dis, uh, disability, that's that's a huge, huge dilemma. So I think that's something that, you know, um, there's a debate out there and the jury's still out whether, let's say, for example, uh, boys and girls with Down syndrome should have sterilizations or not. I mean, you know, I am nowhere near qualified to comment on that, but I'm just saying that there is a debate out there to say whether that's or not.
Dr. Karbani, thank you so very much for joining us this evening. For people who would like to be in touch with you at uh, PED IQ Babyline to get the support that you offer there, how do they do so? Uh, I would suggest that the, the best way to do it is to go onto the Play Store and download our app for Android phones. It's Babyline by PED IQ. So that's Babyline by PED IQ, and they can download the app for free, and it contains a wealth of information that will help parents. And from there, they can actually be guided on how to access the full service, which is becoming a member of the Babyline subscription service. Excellent. Thank you very much, Dr. Karbani. Pleasure. Hey, uh, it's a time for us to take a bit of a breather, and we come back to talk about manufacturing and how the manufacturing industry can adapt and thrive amid the challenges that they are facing, especially with the constant and consistent load shedding and I have seen some memes around this. People are saying there's a dark cloud hanging over me and and that dark cloud is, need I say more, our power utility.